Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's Journey. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery mobile game that puts your detective skills to the test. Embark on a journey into a gripping narrative where intrigue, secrets, and unexpected twists await at every turn. Play as June Parker and investigate beautifully detailed scenes of the 1920s whilst uncovering the mystery of her sister's murder. Rediscover the magic of June's childhood as you roam the vast estate filled with secrets and memories waiting to be uncovered. Gather compelling evidence and decipher clues, immersing yourself in a captivating world of discovery that will keep you hooked until the very end. Compete with friends and other players to see who can solve cases the fastest or achieve the highest scores. Are you ready to jump back in time, detectives? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Discover the secrets of the past. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family-owned and operated, a no-pressure, laid-back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. Hey there, everybody. Far-flung co-hosts have returned to their normal positions, and it's good to be with you on a Monday with the sun shining brightly outside, heat wave fully in, uh, in effect, and halftime with you for a couple of hours on ESPN Arkansas and HitThatLine.com. I'm Phil Elson back in the home studio after a weekend at the beach in Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina. Drew Barrett, who has been more far-flung than any of us for the last week or so at SEC Media Days and then in East West Memphis for the weekend, is back at the headquarters of ESPN Arkansas where he is able to look right over the desk at the beautiful countenance of the one and only Matty T. How's everybody doing today? Doing pretty good. I'm doing well. It's a little warmer than I'd like. Yeah. Is this heat wave ever going to break? I mean, no. can we at least get like one or two days where I don't have to contemplate, you know, going on my power walk or make, or if I'm going on my power walk, making sure I write my last will and testament because I'm going to die. The problem like, for you that you're I keep getting with- halfway into it. I'm just like, nope. I'm done. I get one mile down, and I'm just like, I'm just going to turn back. Drew, the pr- the problem you're dealing with is that I would tell you to wake up 
wake up early in the morning before you go to work. But, I mean, what are we going to tell you to do? Wake up at midnight then? I, I'd have to. Or a lot of people would be like, why don't you just go when the sun goes down? You mean like 30 minutes before my bedtime? Like, I, I, I'm literally stuck. I can only do any type of physical exercise outdoors during the day, during like the hottest part of the day. So I've, I've been stuck between a rock and a hard place. And the apartment that I have, they have treadmills, but I'm not a big treadmill guy. I, if if I'm going on, especially since I've been doing, you know, three miles a day, I, I want to feel like I've gone somewhere and just it adds more motivation of, you know, when I start to hit that wall about, you know, mile two, you know, coming down the back stretch, I have a goal because I have to make it there. You know, I can't just stop and then, you know, in my workout, I have to make it back to my apartment. With the treadmill, I find that most of the time I start to hit that wall and I just go, you know what, that's good enough. So I don't get my full workout. I don't I don't bust through that wall like I like to. So uh Keep in mind the treadmill's doing like half the work for you too. Exactly, too. And it's indoors. I'm not burning as many calories. Like that's one reason why like I like doing it outside is because it I do sweat. It it helps with weight loss and everything like that. But Phil, I don't want to die. I want to get in shape, but I don't want to die. Yeah, you gotta find that fine line at this point of the year, don't you? Yeah. Well, you know, all across our listening audience is gonna be around hundred degrees at some point today. It already feels like hundred degrees in hot springs and our ninety six point three uh, ESPN affiliate. Uh, the folks up in Mountain Home are going to be up to uh, 96 later today. Right now in the Ford, it feels like it's 100. It's getting up to 102. And in Fayetteville, it's 92 degrees on the way up to 100. So just another day in this uh, amazingly hot summer. It's like my air conditioning can never catch up, though. Last mm-hmm. night I go to bed, it was 84 degrees in my apartment. And then I wake up at 74. Like, it never gets to a comfortable level and then mine doesn't stop running i mean mine mine, mine hasn't stopped running in days and days now regardless of what temperature i set it at um it was running when i went to bed it was running a couple times i I woke up through the night running when i got up for bed it cut off for about five seconds right as i'm about to leave uh leave the the apartment to go to work this morning and i literally sat there and counted because i knew it was going to cut back on it's one two three four Mm -hmm. five and mm, back back to back to full blast well, it's uh, it's it's going to be like this for a while, and we'll just have to find a way to put up with it. Probably going to be like this for uh, a lot of summers moving forward. Uh, but you got to be out in the heat at some point, and uh, Arkansas football will be out in the heat uh, next week for the beginning of fall practice. And now that SEC media days are finished, Big Ten media days are starting up today. Uh, ACC finished up last week, so this will be the last of the big leagues that really get things going. ACC but was last week? I was about to. Well, they did, yeah, exactly. Where you were focused on the SEC that, that started Monday, went mm-hmm. through Thursday. ACC, I think, was, I don't remember if it started Tuesday or Wednesday, oh. but it, it was it was last week. I didn't, even know, I didn't even know it was going on. I mean, I know I was in the SEC media bubble. You were and in a you're bubble. concentrating exactly about right. everything going on. But you would have thought I would at least, you know, scrolling through Twitter as much as I probably do on a day-to-day basis, I would have seen something from a storyline of, you know, kind of like we got from Big 12 media days of Mike Gundy tells it like it is. Dabo Sweeney goes off on so and such and such of college football. You know, you would think that we would have gotten something like that, or like you know, not like the good old days. Says Mac Brown as he's about to turn 105. You know, like some some weird headline like that from from the media that that didn't have the pleasure of being at the one true media days, which is the SEC. 
Well, earlier uh, in the day, and I guess I, I I don't open up my TikTok account very often. I have a I have a TikTok app. I've never actually put one out, uh, but this this is where news is breaking uh, apparently right now because I haven't even realized that uh, College Game Day is beginning to release uh, some of the games that they're gonna they're gonna be doing their pregame show mm. at this year already. You've got uh, now. I saw yesterday on Twitter that they'd announced that there'll be there'll be a special. Thursday edition for the reemergence of my favorite, you know, outside of the SEC, my favorite college football rivalry, the backyard brawl with Pitt mm-hmm. and West Virginia, which is a great game. And it'll be played at uh, hot, no longer called Heinz Field in, in the Berg. Uh, and then Georgia and Oregon at uh, the Chick-fil-A Classic on that Saturday. Uh, and you got five or six other games they've already picked, uh, including Florida, Florida State, you know, you go into the big the big rivalries, Texas, Oklahoma, and I wonder, like, when you look at the Arkansas schedule, which is the game that is going to break the streak of have finally having a home game and a home game day uh, at the University of Arkansas. And I'm not counting if they pick the Southwest Classic. If it's Arkansas mm-hmm. versus A&M, that doesn't count. It's got to be a home game. Last year you were on game day against Georgia, uh, and... Wasn't there another game? I think Arkansas was it the Ole Miss game. I forget if that's. Mm, I don't believe so. I know it was Arkansas Georgia. I think that might have been. I think that was the only one last year. But good news is that the the weeks that have been announced. Obviously, you talked about the three or four games that they're going to do week one, uh, week four, Wisconsin, Ohio State, week six, Texas and OU. Did you see 13, this on Florida. your TikTok app? Route? I did. I got, you opened it up and I you're saw like, this, oh, look at this. Yeah, I saw this last night. They did a video and it's uh, on the college game, uh, college game Day TikTok account. Week 13, Florida, Florida State. Now, if you look ahead at the Arkansas schedule, you're looking at when are possible dates in Fayetteville that make a lot of sense. And the three that make a lot of sense right now, just on face value, would be week five against Alabama. That's in Fayetteville. They don't have a site for that. You've got week 11 against LSU in Fayetteville. Don't have a site for that. And week 12 in Fayetteville against Ole Miss. They don't have a site for that. Now, you're going to have to look at the other games and kind of see how the schedule all folds out. But you've got three pretty good shots right there, right off the bat. Now, I'll tell you right off the bat here, I look at Arkansas versus Ole Miss because of the cachet of last year's game mm-hmm. basically being recognized as the best game of the year across the entire sport. Um, and the two programs are, you know, they're, they're, they're rising, certainly, uh, in the SEC West, uh, entertaining uh, coaches, uh, entertaining offenses, you know, but that Arkansas Ole Miss game last year was uh, was October. The, the only thing is that it, you've got to be successful by the end of the year if you're going to exactly. be on game day, obviously. So if Arkansas is in the same position they were last year, potentially this could happen. Same with same with the the Rebels. I mean, because you've moved the Arkansas Ole Miss game all the way to the second to last game of the year, November the 19th. It's the best game in the SEC that weekend by far. Georgia-Kentucky could give you a run. Georgia-Kentucky could give you a run. Because technically that could be for the East. That could be an East Division championship. It is the last game that Georgia plays in conference that year, uh, this year. and uh, Tennessee-South Carolina doesn't Kentucky. do it for you? Not I mean, necessarily. Um, probably do not. Do you believe the hype? Florida, that could be Vanderbilt one? doesn't. So, I mean, you're going to get some sort of pregame, I mm-hmm. think. You know, I mean, whether it's SEC Nation or 
or whether it's going to be uh, game day. There's only a couple of other games, really, I think three games that I looked at the national schedule that weekend that might have that sort of cash. And, of course, this all has – we're, we're talking about, like, the, the 11th game of the year here. So And we're still 40 days away from exactly. game one. But it still means it, it still means something to, like, look ahead. You're like, well, they're, they're starting to release their game day schedule now. Mm-hmm. This is, like, the thing that Arkansas has lacked for over a decade now. It's been 15 years since the last time – ESPN game day was in Fayetteville. So November, I mean, you've got the, I think, the best game in the SEC. I'm being biased. Georgia-Kentucky could be just as good because it really could be an East Division championship. If that's the case, if Georgia hasn't run away with a division by then like they did last year, um, then you then you have, you have a competition in your own league. Outside of that, you've got two legacy, two legacy rivalry games, Bedlam and UC, USC, UCLA. And because of the Trojans and the Bruins being, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, last year's game stunk, but that was last year. Nobody was there because USC was no good and everybody had given up by then. Things are a little bit different right now. I mean, USC is con- very well could be a contender for the college football playoff. So, you know, if they're in that position and these are the two teams that are leaving the Pac-12, you know, that would potentially be... But that's also a game that's going to be on Fox. Mm-hmm. So is that where ESPN is necessarily going to go? I think Miami Clemson, maybe. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma probably is your best competition for game day that weekend. Yeah, especially since, you know, we're down, getting down to the final few of those matchups that we're going to see with the Battle of Bedlam uh, with OU and Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. So just looking at it, I mean, the storylines are there. I mean, when it, when it comes to this Arkansas team, you just got to win. That's really what it comes down to because College Game Day loves to say that they go to the best matchup week by week. That, that's what they do. That's why they don't normally put out the schedule this far in advance. And that so kind of confuses look, me a bit why they would well, go ahead and do week 13 with Florida, Florida State. It's not like either one of them is uh, projected to be a top 10 team. Same with Texas. Texas, week six. I know. By well, week six, you, by week one, Texas is back. Everybody Texas wants to go to the fair. And everything. But, yeah, I mean, by week six last year, Texas was... Well, you saw what happened. Yeah, I did. It wasn't any good. So they're already doing Texas, Oklahoma. But then that is, I mean, that, well, come on. This is ESPN. This is the SEC. These are the two big schools mm-hmm. moving into the league. It feels like it might have been almost contractually obligated once the schools decided to join the SEC, that they would get game day X amount of times. Really would love to see some horns down that day. But, you know, I'd like to see Arkansas get a game day. Uh, probably more than I'd like to see the horns down uh, without a flag in the Big 12. Uh, 877-377-6963 on halftime today. Connor O'Gara, bottom of the hour, and Rob Fisher, hour number two. Uh, Rob is uh, the sideline reporter and postgame host for the Memphis Grizzlies on Bally Sports, but is also hosting uh, a podcast focusing on Major League Baseball called uh, Odds Couple and Infield Fly. So we had the Major League, uh, we had the uh, Hall of Fame inductions uh, yesterday on a beautiful day in Cooperstown. We've got a frightening look into the future of chess, potentially, and much more coming up on Halftime, so stay with us. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports development. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. BetOnline, where the game starts.
You know, out of all the things that really kind of stand out about this uh, notice of allegations to Tennessee from the NCAA, mm-hmm. 32 instances of recruits or players taking cash or gifts, uh, all of this kind of stuff. It's that the, the coach in question here, Jeremy Pruitt, uh, was funneling money through his wife, Casey. And do you know how they met? I do know how they met, but I'm going to let you tell him. She worked in compliance. Uh, <laughs> she worked in compliance uh, when they met uh, at uh, a previous university where he was a defensive coordinator. I think it was Florida State. Oh, my goodness. I mean, this is this is the script it's that a writes doozy. itself. I mean, yeah, I mean, when your job, when, you, when you're coming for it, she joked previously that, 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 that he married her because she's a great recruiter. Ha, ha, ha. Maybe he married her because she kind of knew some ways in and around the NCAA um, compliance book. Did she, though? Because, I mean, they got caught. They did get caught. They did get caught. Maybe because it seemed like it was a little bit mm-hmm. too much out in the open. And when you've got this many instances of it, it's just, it feels like it's awfully difficult to uh, to hide. But it's like, this is one of those things, the script writes itself, once Jeremy Pruitt realized that he had fallen in love with someone that worked in compliance, his dastardly plan was unha- was was hatched. <laughs> of course, he wasn't the head coach. He wasn't even close to being a head coach by then. But wow, this uh, this this is some good stuff here. It, it really is some good stuff. I mean, you read through some of these reports and you know some of the violations and the money and the different things that it almost. I, I remember when this story originally broke a few. What is about a year, two years ago when uh, we started started to hear about the McDonald's bags, and I said, it's, "There's no way it's that dumb." I said, "There's no way they're that cartoonishly dumb when it comes to somehow trying to, you know, cheat and pay recruits." This is obviously before NIL and everything that's going on in today's college football. I said, "How can he be that dumb?" Well, turns out they are that dumb. I mean, it is that stupid to where like. You look at some of the different benefits and things that um, Casey Pruitt paid for. I, I've never personally got a, a a Manny or a Petty, but this La La Nails in Knoxville, I mean, they made some bank. They did a lot of business, apparently, uh, with Casey Pruitt and some of these recruits' mo- uh, moms and girlfriends because there was a lot of money exchanging hands to go get Manny's and Petty's for moms and, and uh and girlfriend. So I guess if you're ever in the Knoxville area and you you want to treat yourself or, or treat your loved one, take them to La La Nails. They apparently do a outstanding job. This coming out of the Knox uh, Knoxville News uh, uh, website, Casey Pruitt provided twelve thousand five hundred dollars in cash car payments, five hundred dollar payments, twenty five payments each, three grand in cash rent for a player and his mom from September. 2018 to March 2021. Um, you know the thing is, so much of this is 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 now kind of like legal, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of like legal, right? I mean, depending on where the money necessarily is coming from. But he you, you know, before before the before the day of name, image, and likeness, a little over a year ago, you wouldn't have had to hide all of this stuff. It would just be coming from. It wouldn't be coming from from Casey Pruitt. It wouldn't be coming from the the head coach's wife mm-hmm. necessarily. It would be coming from some. LLC that was formed to make it look like a player is doing something to, you know, earn the money, and then there you go. Well, technically, this is what they did while these were still recruits. It's still technically illegal. You you can't pay 
a recruit on a recruiting visit. You still can't give them this type of money. Now, with the car payments and all the players that did end up committing to Tennessee, now that would be above board. You could do it fine. You know, like you say, go through collectives, go through different companies uh, around town that would give them the money for the quote unquote service, whether they do it or not. But the initial things that these violations, it still is illegal. It's just, it's just so stupid. I mean, like, like, like I said, you start reading these things, and it's like, how do you think that you're going to get away with this? I mean, is it so commonly known that everybody's doing this that they just figured that, you know, if this is how so and so is getting away with it at University A, then I can get away with it at University B? And if that's the truth, I mean, there's so many universities out there that are doing this so badly. Because it does seem so cartoonishly stupid when you start to ultimately read these things. I think, well, nobody's looking, and then it turns out, you know, somebody was mm-hmm. sort of looking. Nobody's looking now, though. No. It doesn't appear that way. Uh, and maybe Tennessee avoids major, major penalties because of self-reporting. Uh, and, you know, they have cleaned house as far as the athletic department is concerned from the folks who were involved in this. This will kind of test um, a little bit of the going theory now. Of the, why would... Why would current coaches, new coaches, new student athletes, new administrators have to pay for the, 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 the I'm not going to call them mistakes, the crimes committed mm-hmm. the, uh, by, by those who were swept out of office in that, in that case. So, um, you know, you and I have talked about that quite a bit. We'll see because uh, it seems that Danny White has sort of made, you know, they've, they've, they've done everything you need to do, not necessarily outside of a, of a, of a, of a school-imposed bowl ban from last year uh, to, to, to be on the up and up, at least in, in the eye. So if the NCAA is going to change the way that they approach these things, and so much of it has to do with the speed of the investigation, mm-hmm. this one has taken, you know, if you're looking at something that ended in 2021, it took, it took about a year. Yeah, it did. It, it was actually faster than... You know what a lot of these different cases are. Now, this would be the real example of how things are going to go forward with you know the NCAA and their policy about being honest. If they still get Tennessee still gets a book thrown at them, then this is just another example of why would you ever work with the NCAA? Because Tennessee not only self-reported, they then gave the NCAA more than what the NCAA was able to find. The NCAA wasn't able to find some of these violations, and they said, "Oh yeah, here here's three or four more that we did." Uh, we got a phone call, and then we'll have a break with Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South coming up next. Eddie is here with us today. I thought I saw, like, the power of, like, you know how it feels like Eddie's got so much energy, he could sort of, like, power the entire city of Clarksville just through his own energy alone. I saw something yesterday off the coast of Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina, that might have a little bit more power than Eddie, but maybe not, you know, coming close to it. I saw water spout. For the first time in my life, saw a water spout. Actually, recorded this mm-hmm. thing, and you're and on the CBS News I Twitter got on too. CBS News. I think this video was seen by the Weather Channel too. Twenty five k. Wow, that look was at you, sort. Though. That was sort of. Uh, I thought of Eddie for a moment there because Eddie, I could hear your voice through a water spout or a tornado with the train rolling through. How you doing today? I'm doing good, gentlemen, and I hope the fan base are doing well. But, you know, I woke this morning, gentlemen, the reason I'm calling in to the smell of the recipe starting to break in the oven, and it's starting to simmer. We got 40 days, gentlemen, and to this fan base in the distance, I can hear that whistle starting to blow a little louder. It's starting to become clear. I can hear 
not only have I been preaching or over the last couple of weeks, the assignment, how true it is, is running rampant across the whole natural state. I can hear the woo pig suey echoing. And, and there's right, a Eddie, everybody's really fired up right now, man. Arkansas's picked third in the West. You know, you mention it, 40 days, you get you get fall practice, fall camps. I hate calling it fall camp because it's summer. You got summer camp starting up uh, in a matter of days now. So, yeah, the, the excitement level's there. I mean, that's been your theme recently has been the excitement level of everything that's going on for Arkansas football. Uh, tell me, what do you think that leads to this year for Arkansas football? What is this excitement going to lead to for this team? Are you going to be this excited by the time you, by the time you get to uh, the end of the battle line rivalry against Mizzou? If you're listening today, I'm glad you asked that. Because, listen here, this is going to be a special season. You know, we won nine games last year. Could have won ten. A gutsy call on the Sam Dubois skip and Oxford. Of course, we lost in overtime, but it was a gutsy call. Let me say this. This team has the ingredients and the recipe to surpass 10 wins, and I'm going to stick by my prediction. Come, we're not, not to disrespect any of the teams we face this year. It's a brutal schedule. But, by the way, the number one tougher schedule just fought last year and the year before in the entire country. But what do we got? We got the playmaker at quarterback who's underrated. We'll take care of that business on the playing field this year. You'll yeah, be able to know, We can't go in. through the entire roster and coaching staff because we've got a guest coming up in just a moment here. What is it going to lead to? Tell me what it's going to lead to by the end of the regular season. What are you looking at? I think Arkansas only three times have we won 11 wins a season. I think we're on the way there. I don't know who it's going to be. But I believe our football program is headed to the upper room of the SEC. Wow. Is this 11 wins before the end of the regular season or counting a bowl game or playoff games if you're going in that direction? I think we're going 11-1. All right. Wow. 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 That is hard to hear first, folks. 11 wins, progressively louder with each victory, it it seems like, as well. And we better take the break because Connor O'Gara is standing by from Saturday down south. It's halftime. Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith may look like a small store from the outside, but they have a huge warehouse for storage, so they buy volume deals and have competitive pricing on all the top brands like Tito's, Crown Royal, Fireball, Jim Beam, and more. They also feature wellness products like Martha Stewart brand CBD. Give them a call today at 479-452-7311 or stop by and see them at 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now, back to the podcast. Connor O'Gara joined us live at the SEC Media Days uh, last week. One week ago, he and Drew shook hands, looked at each other, and finally realized that uh, the two of them don't dress uh, alike very much. Nope. Connor, I think you kept the suit on. You kept various suits on, though, most of the week. Did you ever Did you ever dress down by the end of the week, or did you keep the tie? did dress down. I did have, by, when, by Wednesday, it was just collared shirt untucked. By Thursday, it was chambray shirt, white tee underneath, untucked with sneakers. So I did get to that point. It took me a few days. But look, I mean, you make that first impression with a suit, and then it kind of makes you known that, oh, hey, that guy can actually dress. He doesn't just live in his mom's basement. He lives in a house, 
wherein he has his own office and everything, and he, you know, can tie his shoes like a real adult. But, yeah, by the end of the week, <laughs> I was dressing down. Some of us tr- still try to find shoes that you never have to tie. It just makes life a little bit easier sometimes. So I read your column about K.J. Jefferson uh, not getting much respect, and he's playing to that, and I think that's great. I actually didn't want him in the top three, you know, in either of the top three teams because I think that plays exactly to the way that he views himself too. You know, but I read where, you know, Tim Tebow's reasoning for why he didn't have KJ in his top five was more about the weapons around KJ, specifically wide receiver more than anything else is what it's got to be, you know, and, and I'm, I'm seeing, you know, a lot of people picking Arkansas second. You did. They, they end up, picked third amongst SEC media members. Do you think that if, I mean, you're got you're parsing very small pieces of teams when you're looking at the difference between second place and third place, you know, I view if you pick Arkansas second, that means you think they're going to beat A&M, you know, what, what, what is the difference between Arkansas and A&M? Is it receivers? Is this a reason why you'd knock Arkansas down a peg in the division standings, at least preseason? Well, for, for what it's worth, I, I did look a, a certain Mr. Tebow in his eye and tell him that I disagreed with him about KJ not having in his top five. I have KJ as my number three quarterback in the SEC. I thought he should have gotten all SEC love ahead of Will Levis. I totally understand the argument that it actually helps him to continue to get disrespected. That plays into this entire mindset that he's had throughout this offseason. But I, I look at Arkansas in the, in the gap between two and three and say, all right, what do I have more confidence in over the duration of a year? I have more confidence in what Arkansas returns from an identity standpoint than I do A&M. What is A&M's identity? What are they going to be on offense? They're going to be a team that probably has to run the ball a lot. Devon A-Chain, in my opinion, is their best returning offensive player. We saw the development last week with Anaya Smith with the arrest. We'll kind of wait and see what to make of that situation, what his suspension looks like. But this is a team that's starting a new quarterback. This is a team that on defense has a very new front seven that has a new defensive coordinator after Mike Elko left for Duke. So all of these different things. And, oh, by the way, Jimbo Fisher hasn't had a top 30 passing offense since Jameis Winston. So when I'm trying to figure out A&M's identity, yeah, they got the influx in talent. They just signed this historically great recruiting class, this number one class in America in 2022. But is that class going to make or break this team? Is is that class going to have really a massive impact uh, on a team that could be competing for a New Year's Six Bowl? In my opinion, probably not. Whereas Arkansas, I know what Arkansas is going to be. Arkansas is going to be one of, if not the best running teams in all of Power Five. They've got a quarterback who can, who, can, who can grind for you in multiple ways and can, can beat you with his arm and with his legs, downfield intermittent, intermittent passing game. And I, I feel like this is a defense that I look at and say they should be better despite the fact that they lost Grant Morgan, despite the fact that they lost Hayden Henry, I still think that they're going to be better with Jalen Catalan, bumper pulled back. The addition of Drew Sanders, it's been well documented. So all of these things, I'm, I, I, I think the gap is simply, I feel like I have a better idea that Arkansas can withstand the ebbs and flows of the SEC West than A&M does. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Connor, what, what were some of the other big takeaways, you know, as we're kind of recapping, getting ready for the season? Any, any, any Anything else really stand out besides the K.J. Jefferson hate that, uh, from SEC media as a week as a, a week as a whole? Yeah, I mean, I, I looked at the the quarterback play, and I'm really impressed with, with so many of these guys. I mean, it feels like we spent the entire week just debating quarterback rankings because – 
it's at the best place it's been in the SEC since at least 2013 and maybe even longer. And everybody kind of feels like they're getting disrespected right now. I mean, that was one of the other things that brought up with Tebow. He only has Hendon Hooker at number five in his quarterback ring. He's talking about the disrespect that he's giving there. Everybody feels like they're getting disrespect because outside of Bryce Young at number one, there's not really that consensus from like spots two through eight. But we got to see and talk to a lot of these quarterbacks at SEC media days, and I thought a lot of them were just really impressive dudes. I, I become more and more impressed with Hendon Hooker every time we talk to him. This is somebody who has had to overcome a heart condition that what he went through in 2019 was kind of allowed to play in an offense that best suits his skill set last year with Josh Heupel and now returns as one of the best 10 quarterbacks in all of college football. And so getting to speak with him and kind of the reasons that he's been motivated and all the different things he's had to go through in college, I thought was impressive. Getting to speak with a, a guy like DK Joyner, who has been at South Carolina seemingly forever and was starting off as a four-star quarterback recruit that was wanted by everybody in the country and has transitioned into this role of receiver, special teams, uh, run blocker, extraordinaire, who can also kind of fill in and play quarterback like he did in Duke's Mayable. I just became really impressed with a lot of these quarterbacks. Will Levis, KJ Jefferson, these guys handle themselves extremely well. Bryce Young, another one who, you know what, like these guys have all eyes on them. They really do. And given all the distractions that NIL could potentially bring, I just think a lot of these guys are wired the correct way. I know that's kind of a, that's not necessarily a hot take to say mm-hmm. that I think the SEC is in a great place with quarterbacks, but I just became more and more impressed with the guys that so many of these teams have under center. Mm-hmm. Now, we didn't have the bombshell or breaking news happen during SEC media days because it ended on Thursday, but we got the news on Friday about the 18 level one violations uh, that happened under Jeremy Pruitt's watch at ES, uh, at uh, Tennessee. You know, I remember when the McDonald's bag story all came out, and I thought, there's no way that is actually true. That's too cartoonishly stupid. And now that you read through these violations, it is that cartoonishly stupid. They were that dumb uh, in Knoxville when doing everything that they did that, that now is illegal. And Tennessee was so upfront about it. You know, they even gave the NCAA things that the NCAA didn't find themselves. Is that going to help Tennessee when it comes to the NCAA ruling? Or is this just going to be another example of why ever help out the NCAA because they don't care either way? Well, first of all, the the dumb headlines about the the McDonald's bag full of cash, as much as I wanted those to be true, uh, according to what the NCAA Mm -hmm. found, those those actually weren't true. They, They were providing... McDonald's and $220 meals at, at the Golden Arches, but they weren't necessarily providing mm-hmm. just bags of cash to, to recruits. But this is such a calculated move, and the timing of it is really interesting because, and I'm writing this column right now, it kind of feels like Tennessee might be shooting the moon. Now, I have no idea what the NCAA is going to decide, neither do you, and if you think you do, look at Mizzou, look at UNC in those cases of academic fraud, and then tell me you have any idea mm-hmm. what the NCAA is going to do, because it doesn't matter from a cooperation standpoint. History suggests that it's just, just kind of whatever side they wake up on that morning, or whatever side of the bed. So I look at this and I, I think, well, if Tennessee with now 18 level one violations, because remember, they were trying to get out of paying Jeremy Pruitt that $12.6 million buyout, which was the byproduct of an extension he signed just a few months before that 2019 season, and then Tennessee was able to kind of find a way out of it. I can't imagine that Jeremy Pruitt, who was fired with cause, is now going to be able to come up with any sort of settlement to get a piece of that $12.6 million. So if you just fired a coach 
without having to pay a $12.6 million buyout, if you end up not getting a bowl ban, which we'll wait and see what happens with that, and you don't have any of these major recruiting violations, which, again, remember, Tennessee has this bustling collective that is doing very, very well on the recruiting trail, then did you just kind of shoot the moon and, and, and have this $60,000 you know, fee that you offered up to the NCAA to get out of all this? It kind of feels like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just picked Tennessee to finish second in the East. All right, like they're 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 in a fine position, and they overachieved last year. So if that's the the cost that you paid for all of this, I, I actually think Tennessee kind of came out of this in the way that they intended to. Some of it's also timing too, and I know so much of this occurred before you know NIL was a thing, and I also understand this has a lot to do with recruits too. But you know, you mentioned you mentioned a phrase there that it feels like maybe this is the only thing that the NCAA will ever be able to enforce about now. Who knows? It may end up going to the conferences anyway. Academics. That's it. Like so they're, they're relaxing everything about the transfer portal, uh, unless it deals with academics. Um, you know, academic ineligibility might still be a thing uh, that you can enforce. But you've you've pointed out how you know the NCAA basically is like letting go of so much of the enforcement. Uh, uh, powers that they've had i think because they're afraid of being sued more than anything else academics is like all that's left that in title nine yeah it, it's stunning i mean I, and I, I think we are going to get to this place eventually wherein fbs breaks away from the ncaa and, and they're able to have a new enforcement agency and my suggestion with that has been get this new playoff contract if and when that happens to cover some of the to cover the cost of whatever sort of enforcement agency you're going to want to have, whether it's you know because this this obviously costs money. If it's twenty million dollars to be able to devote to this enforcement agency, so that they have the resources necessary to actually you know enforce, which is what the NCAA says it's going to do, but actually doesn't. Then that's a, a different discussion. But yeah, if we're in a different place six months from now, when Andy Staples brought up this point. You know, our attitude, we're already kind of numb to, we're seeing $60,000 worth of, of benefits provided. And we're kind of like, oh, that's, that's it. Like they went to, to get their nails done. They went to this aquarium. They, they went to McDonald's. Like, all right, cool. Like these kids are getting, you know, there are a lot of kids getting tens of thousands of dollars worth of NIL benefits. And, you know, we don't really scoff at that. So perspective is everything. Tennessee might have just been able to find the exact right timing. And the fact that they were able to have this kind of prolonged investigation before having to settle with Jeremy Pruitt is another big part of this. So, yeah, this is a, just a weird story, and it could be a one-of-one, one, but I, I think if they get out of this without a bull ban, man, there will be a lot of people saying Tennessee kind of lucked out in all of this. Yeah, let's leave it there for now because we're right up against the break. But definitely at some point, Connor, we got to have a longer mm-hmm. discussion about definitely. what what a – separate entity that focuses on football only could look like because that could be very interesting thanks as always connor yep appreciate it guys thanks connor connor o'gara saturday down south give him a follow on twitter at cj o'gara and if you're a fence builder or you have building experience and you're looking for a great job that offers fantastic pay and a 500 dollars sign-on bonus we'll get a hold of the fence man uh, imply in person at 1213 North 32nd Street in Fort Smith. The fence man is looking for people to build quality fencing and gates for the best fence building team in the state. The fence man, again, apply in person at 1213 North 32nd Street in Fort Smith. The fence man is an equal opportunity employer. I'm going to wrap the first half, the first hour up after this. It's halftime. 
PristineAuction.com is the most trusted sports memorabilia auction site. With an A-plus BBB rating, auctions on PristineAuction.com start at just $1, and each day there are over 1,000 autographed items available, so you win signed authentic signatures at affordable prices. Just last week, an autographed Justin Herbert jersey sold for $110. Deals like these are happening all the time on PristineAuction.com, and they have just about every player you could want, including Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, and so much more. Every item on PristineAuction.com comes with a certificate of authenticity from the industry's most reputable authenticators. Upgrade your collection of signed memorabilia today and get $10 off your first item one when you use code HTL when you sign up. Again, PristineAuction.com, use code HTL and get $10 off your first item one. And that's not all. In addition to $10 off your first item, we are giving away a signed Traylon Burks Arkansas Razorbacks jersey to one lucky listener who signs up using this code HTL. Here's your chance to win. All you have to do is sign up on their website using our registration code HTL to be entered. Visit pristineauction.com slash register today. Now back to the podcast. we got to imagine the uh, future of... Uh well, our future overall, you know, when it comes to uh, automation, mm-hmm. uh, um, automated intelligence, artificial intelligence. Uh, and, I mean, there have been chess-playing computers for years. I just don't know how long there have been actual robots that pick up the pieces and decide where they're going to move them themselves. This happened uh, a week ago at the Moscow Chess Open uh, that ran from July 13th through July 21st. On July 19th, a child who is reported his name is Christopher, one of the top 39 and under players in, in the entire country of Russia. Good for uh, him. Was playing a robot in chess. Um, the boy moved too quickly, I think. From what I read, from what I read, he moved, the, the, he had dropped his piece. The robot went and made a move. The kid picks his piece back up, goes to make a move. The robot then grabs the child's finger. And crushes it before the child is led away by mm. his parents and tournament officials screaming his ever-loving head off. Hopefully the child learned its lesson now and he won't move uh, too fast next time he's playing a robot. Exactly. And, and also, how did the robot crush the kid's finger, but it doesn't crush the ch- chess pieces? That like, means it's how- able to control how hard it's holding something. Which also means that it children, was angry. Yeah, when it comes the to robot dance, noticed yeah. that the child might be trying some shady stuff. Robot said, no, 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 we ain't having this. I'm going to break your finger. Because by all reports, it's just quick skimming. It doesn't say that this chess robot breaks, you know, two out of every three pieces it picks up. Because that's how much force you have. I mean, I know it's a nine-year-old's finger. It's probably not the means to me. The robot got angry. Strongest thing, but you, you, the, the child pissed the robot off by by uh, by violating one of its, mm-hmm. as I read, safety precautions. You would think there might be a safety precaution thrown in there, so that a chess-playing robot doesn't get violent. But then again, maybe this is one way to actually get people to watch chess on a larger level. You introduce a little violence into <laughs> it. It seemed to work for football. Oh, I definitely would have. You know, if they introduce some form of chess boxing or, or you know, some type of thing where there is violence and there is a, a point of someone could be physically harmed, then, yeah, I'm probably going to watch it a little bit more than than I do now. Now, I never saw this watch movie. It. I'm sorry. Sorry, go do you want me to finish up? Are they still searching for Bobby Fisher because he was disposed of, like, in a lake somewhere? 
<laughs> now I don't. I know never what, saw the movie. I don't know. Searching for Bobby Fish. Oh, okay. I, I don't know what the situation is as far as that's concerned. But I do love the phrase from the president of the Moscow Chess Federation, a gentleman named Sergey Lazarev. This on the TechSpot.com website. Uh, quote: The robot broke the child's finger. This is, of course, bad. Unquote. <laughs> That's uh, something had to be lost in translation, that's, right? That's telling it like it is, right there. I'm guessing that there's some more sentiment behind it, sentimental, oh. you know, meaning behind it. Instead of like, that's probably the literal translation, but maybe in Russian, they it's just like, have no emotions it, over there. It's got to mean something. You I, can't just be that like I blunt see about it. What when I actually watch the video, I see why it happened. It's because yeah, it's it's not too much pressure when it's just picking up the chess piece. Mm-hmm. But when the little kid puts his hand in between the chess piece and the robot, that's where the extra pressure comes. Mm. So I that think that could be it. Also, the robot's playing like three games of chess at once. There's too much pressure Maybe, for one for one sentient being. To, we're overstressing the robots. Yeah, it, you, you can't put too much stress on them, or they will attack. Did it become self-aware? I mean, I hope not. Well, the next Luckily, week, right now, it's just an arm. Next time, it's going ha- to come with a combination. If you want to add boxing and chess together, it's broken a finger and then a right hook, one right after the other. Yeah, I don't think I'll be playing chess with robots anytime soon. I'm not smart enough to play chess with robots. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just stick to, like, you know, the cat box that cleans itself. That's artificial intelligence, too, as I am told. 877-377-6963. Into the second hour, it's halftime. Why do people do business with First Western? Because First Western builds relationships with all of their customers. They partner for the long haul to help you with your financial goals over all seasons of life. First Western is prompt, responsive, and they deliver with quick answers and on-time loan closings. When is the last time your banker called you? If you are looking for a high level of service and a financial partner who will listen and respond, try First Western. For more information, visit them online at firstwestern.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Halftime into the second hour here on a hot Monday across our listening audience in the natural state. Phil Elson, Maddie T, and Drew Barrett with you for the next 60 minutes. Uh, get a little baseball conversation going in 30 minutes with Rob Fisher, host of the Odds Couple podcast and the Infield Fly podcast, uh, which you can find on Grind City Media. Uh, a lot of baseball topics you can touch on, too, with the uh, second half fully underway. Biggest story is going to be whoever whoever gets Juan Soto, uh, the outstanding young slugger for the uh, Washington Nationals, who's now officially on the trading block. It's kind of crazy to think about what the Nationals are going to be trading, but then again, it doesn't look like Soto wants to play for him any longer. Arkansas baseball gets what certainly feels like a boost with the return, officially the return now, of Brady Slavens, Arkansas right fielder, first baseman, designated hitter, adding a, uh, well, you know what you get from Slavens Mm -hmm. if you're an Arkansas baseball fan. He's a left-handed power bat uh, who can go deep on any count just about, usually swinging for the fences. A guy that has hit double-digit home runs for you two years in a row. Well, one of the big reasons you made it to Omaha last year, some of the biggest moments of the season, and when undrafted, which felt a bit like a surprise, but with in, in reading in Matt Jones's column in Whole Hog Sports this morning, uh, the arm injury uh, that kept Slavens uh, pretty much sticking to designated hitter most of the season might be one reason that he did not go in the draft. So while it, it seemed like you were only going to have one... <clears throat> 
of the starters returning from last year's trip to Omaha, it ends up you're going to get two. And it will be Brady Slavens and Peyton Stovall. Mm-hmm. And I think this can only mean very good things for Arkansas uh, because you've got a guy who's proven he can hit in the SEC uh, if he's back healthy fully. Uh, I think even though it, it, it shouldn't affect you so much, I think, as a hitter, when you're when you know you're just not going to be out on the field very much, that can affect you so much a little bit emotionally, mentally, more than anything else. So a healthy Brady Slavens might be able to improve upon an OPS that was quite a bit lower than the year before, even though he had two more home runs. So a big boost, I think, to the lineup, and I think you'll already have a lineup that can hit anyway, judging by some of the transfers that are coming in and uh, a couple of the incoming freshmen that might get a chance to play early. Yeah, like we talked about it last Friday, you, the standard, the bar set for this team definitely doesn't drop regardless of how many returning uh, players you have, but it is good to have Brady back. I think that um, having that bat, it's it's just it's one of those things that it's it's nice to know what you have. You know, we can look at uh, statistics, you can look at box scores from all these incoming transfers from the incoming freshmen, and that's good, and those numbers are great to where you think that this is going to be a really good hitting team, like this team has been in years past, but it's still nice to know for a fact. You know, you've, you've seen it with your own eyes that from more than just one of these guys and, and what Brady Slavens can do from, uh, you know, at the plate. But in the field, I mean, is he going to just be a DH? Is he going to return to the outfield? I mean, where, where do you really see him fitting in? Could he play, you know, some first base with Stovall possibly moving over to the middle infield? Well, I think Stovall's moving over no matter what. I, I don't think he wanted to play first base. He came in as a middle infielder. I think he's going to be your, your second baseman no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some other transfers I think coming in that you could you could see as a first baseman usually first base for Arkansas is a position that they just sort of have somebody over there to learn the position mm-hmm. because they can hit uh, Slavens I thought was was a was a pretty good first baseman two years ago not great but good and it's not his natural position uh, he was he played all over the field um, I think at Wichita State and junior college and whatnot and uh, more right field sometimes I think I, I see him, but uh, I mean, I, he may end up battling for at-bats uh, depending on what goes on with a Jace Borfin mm-hmm. or a Kendall Diggs. I think Diggs is a I was guy about that to really get Diggs a good look at first base. We expect him to get more A-Bs, especially with how big he came up in critical moments that he did get well, into and, that lineup. And they're totally different hitters, too, because Diggs is very patient, mm-hmm. bordering on on maybe, a, at times, overly patient. <laughs> and Slavens is on the other extreme, you know, overly aggressive mm-hmm. sometimes and, 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 and could utilize a little bit of that patience that we see from Diggs. I think if you mix the two of their approaches together... You got the perfect hitter. It would be like a perfect approach just about. But I mean, he, this is the thing about Arkansas baseball. Like Slavens will be in. I would expect, unless he's hurt, he'll be in the opening day lineup, mm-hmm. right? If he's not producing, if he's not producing early, like they'll, you don't just get him the lineup because you were one of the guys that took him to Omaha last year. So you've brought in what is it, thirty new players mm-hmm. from from the incoming freshman class 15, to yeah. the transfers. Um, but he's 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 a guy who's already proven he can he can turn around some of the best fastballs that the SEC has. We don't know that about a lot of these other guys because we haven't seen them have the opportunity to do it just yet. <laughs> so Brady will have that chance to cement his name in that lineup early. 
Um, but Dave has taken him out of the lineup sometimes because of frustration with approach. So, you know, there is room for growth for Slavens as a hitter, emotionally, mentally. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a beautiful swing and, and incredibly powerful. Um, but, I, I mean, it's, it's, gotta, it's a great thing. One of, your, one of your better veteran run producers comes back to the team. Well, here's the thing with Brady and, you know, kind of the thing that he's going to want to concentrate on. And I, I definitely want your opinion on this, Phil, since you're on the voice of the Razorbacks. In order to improve his draft stock for next year after going undrafted uh, this season, is it just proving that he's healthy? Is it proving that patience? Is it showing that he can produce in in the field? I mean, what's his main thing, you think, to really boost his draft stock for next year? You know, besides, you know, hitting over 300 and having decent numbers at the plate, there's got to be there's got to be one area that you think would really help, you know, Get him to the next level. Well, his power is going to be like eighty out of eighty. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's hit the. We get a text in from Jamie from Van Buren. Hit the longest home run uh, in 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 TD Ameritrade or the Schwab history. That is true. In in the College World Series, the guy's power is off the charts. You know what Bubba says so much about this is such truth in hitting. It's not what you swing at; it's what you don't swing at. He's got to get better at what he doesn't mm-hmm. swing at. Uh, you know, getting himself out or getting himself in bad count sometimes. Uh, that That is the thing. And maybe establishing, like, what position do you play necessarily? Mm-hmm. But a left-handed bat like that, I think Brady's faster than some people give him credit for. He's, I think he's really athletic. I think he's smart. But just needs to allow himself the patience to feel like he's more confident getting deeper into the count and you know and not oh two or one and two but you know work at the two and two and two two and one something like that it's more approach with slavens than anything and yeah the thing is is he doesn't have any more leverage because next year he's, he's, he's exhausting done, yeah. his eligibility so you know at that point yeah, if you if you have a great year you know somebody's going to want you early so maybe he can raise that draft stock quite a bit uh, we've got Charlie on hold here. Let's take the phone call. Hey, Charlie, how are you? What's new today? How's it going, guys? How Great. you guys doing? Great. Doing well. Doing Great. well. Good to be back on the yeah, air after back. a relaxing weekend of some sort. I was going to say, you back in everybody back in their normal like normal lives now. Is that what everybody back where they're supposed to be? I guess. Charlie, normal for me is abnormal for just about everybody else. <laughs> so I'd I'll just say I'm doing it's it's regular it's You're regular doing the regular crap for me. I understand. Well, did you have a good time, Phil, out in North Carolina? Man, that was fun. Reconnected with the uh, with three friends I hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, had some good food. Got on the beach. Got on the ocean. Went on a boat for a while. Did some tubing. Saw a water spout. Oh, man. Got, you, were, you know, got you on CBS on the news with that. Yeah, man, it was cool. You were sunning, tanning, everything, huh? Okay, I've got a little bit of a burn going here, especially top of the legs. I hear you. Well, uh, I am. I'm, ha- I'm happy that uh, Brady's coming back. Uh, that's that's great news. I honestly didn't expect it, and uh, you know, obviously with his power, I mean, you know, a lot of times MLB, you know, scouts, whatever, they fall in love with that. But yeah, I, I am glad that we're getting him back. It's a huge boost to our team. And I, I, I was going to ask you, Phil, you know, as far as like how coaches, and I don't know if you know exactly how DVH does this, but you know. Does he give his players kind of the freedom earlier in the count, or does he kind of – it just depends? Or, you know, I know when it's 3-0, he's like, you got to take this pitch no matter what because if, if it's a ball, you're walking. But, you know, does he ever give anybody any freedom? Like, if it is 3-0 and, hey, you see a meatball coming right down the middle, you can swing at it. I was just going to ask, like, 
I know you know deviates a little more than obviously. Oh, we Charlie, do, I think it, de- it depends on the situation. It depends on the pitcher they're facing. Uh, there's, yeah. there's never, there's never a you know a one size fits all approach. So it's, it, it's, it's really going to depend. And, and I, the, I mean, really, what 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 hit what hitting is. I mean, you got to perfect your swing and everything like that. These guys' swings are mostly just fine, mostly just fine. A lot of it is about, about approach, what you're going to see, what you're looking for, what you're willing to lay off, what's what strike you're willing to lay off, you know. And yep. and I think sometimes Brady's strike zone is just a little bit bigger than it needs to be, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I understand. You know, I mean, sometimes guys get two strikes, and if they get struck outside, you know, struck out with an outside corner slider, you know, I think, you kind of can live with that as a player. That's just tough pitch to hit. But I do want to say a couple of things about the football team before I go, and I, I wanted to touch on something um, that Sam brought up during one of his interviews, and he talked about all the he, – he was talking to – I don't know if you guys have seen it – Josh Pate. I don't – he's from SEC Saturday Night on South. Yeah, he's late, late kick. But, late kick, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the things that they brought up there towards the end of that conversation were – exactly what I think everybody's question is about this team, but he mentioned one, you know, the third and one thing. I, For me, third and one with this team, I, I'm i not as worried as maybe Coach would be. I I personally would put Kate, you know, they don't go under center a lot, and I get it, because this is a shotgun team, but I personally would just put KJ under and go get that yard, but, you know, I get it. You don't want your quarterback taking all those type of hits, and you're not a, you don't run under center a lot, but you know, the whole idea of getting Malik on the field, do you guys think it's more of a, you know, hey, we're going to build him into the game plan package type role, or is it just kind of feel each week? Or, you know, because I think, you know, as a guy with that type of speed, you know, you got all these receivers, and he named about six of them. But uh, you're going to have to ha- figure out who's going to stand out. But, yeah, you got to get Malik on the field somehow. Charlie, I think if you, just to go on that theme, you got to establish that early. Like, it's it's not – it, yeah. it, it won't ever be a surprise – uh, if right now, if you're if if there's some package of plays from Malik Hornsby uh, to, to show you off his strength, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, there, there's play, there's plays, there's players you want to hide sometimes because nobody expects them, you know, to get the ball mm-hmm. or nobody expects that play. That's not what you're going to deal with with Malik Hornsby right now. Coaches will be looking, opposing coaches will be looking for him on the field. I think well, not immediately, but in the first week of the season, heck yeah. I think you're going to see an effect of Malik Hornsby pretty quickly. And as far as, like, the third and one thing is concerned, I don't worry too much about third and one with with, with, with what you've got up front. And, the I mean, Dominique Johnson on third and one, Rocket Sanders on third and one. Oh, they can strong, bust through. powerful, fast backs. I like them on third and one better than KJ because I don't want KJ getting hit like that. Too oh, I do too, and you've seen it from both of their styles of, of running. One thing that they both can do very well, and it's something that separates great of good from great running backs is the ability to fall forward. I mean, if you're able to hit that hole and just fall forward for you know a yard, you definitely have the. Uh, they have the ability to push their way through for for a little bit and fall forward. So anything on three and one, I, I would be absolutely shocked if it wasn't just a straight, you know, power eye run up the middle type of situation. Now nobody runs a power eye anymore, but you know that type of play, you know, just just hit just hit the four hole, hit the three hole, fall fall forward, you'll be fine. Just throwing this out there, some sort of weird prediction, and I'm usually bad on my predictions because then I end up eating. Cakes cakes that look like shoes. First half against Cincinnati, two balls are headed Malik's way. At least two. 
at least two. I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, you've got to get him the ball, and I think he's going to be one of your playmakers. So it's not going to be like, wait around for mm-hmm. it. It's going to happen early. He's going to be a playmaker, and also you're going to want to design as many different packages that you see him in to make other offenses, you know, throughout the season have to work on it. That's time that Georgia, that's time that Bama, that's time that South Carolina in week two is going to have to have to work on different packages and, and how to guard Malik Hornsby at, at different positions. So I, I agree with you. I think you're going to see him that first game just go here, go there, go th- do this, do that, and you're going to see a lot of it. Now you're going to see a lot of it throughout the season. Depends on how well it works. But I think you do see a lot of different looks with him in the offense to start the game. If two passes don't head Malik Hornsby's way first half against Cincinnati, I'll eat my belt. But it's actually got to be a fish that's stretched out and looks just mm, like a belt. Okay. 877-377-6963. Right back, it's halftime. Guys, it's all about confidence when it's time for sex. Am I right? Sometimes stress, anxiety, or just a bad day can affect your performance and ruin the fun and passion for both of you. But don't worry. BlueChew.com is here to save the day. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew tablets help men combat all forms of ED. Because BlueChew is an online prescription service, there are no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a very discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. BlueChew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredients and strength for your prescription. BlueChew tablets are made right here in the USA, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try BlueChew free when you use our promo promo code believe at checkout just pay five dollars shipping that's bluechew.com promo code believe b-l-e-a-v to receive your first month free all right we had uh, a great uh, introduction yesterday of the baseball hall of fame and if uh, well big poppy was the only one that got it on the writer's uh, ballot here is big poppy yesterday when i first came to boston i have a manager named grady Lito who was the manager at the time. And my very first bat against the twin during spring training, I tried to move a runner over. And I thought when I got back to the dog, everybody was going to high-five me. Everybody stay sit. And the manager put me to the side and told me, hey, big boy, I don't want you to bring them. I don't want you to, I don't want you to be here to move them over. I want you to be here to bring them in. The rest is history. That's right. And you know what? I mean, that goes to, the, that goes to a theme that I heard in minor league baseball a long time. Uh, the, the, the kids from the Dominican Republic don't get off the island by drawing walks. They don't get off the island by bunting mm-hmm. or, by, or by sacrificing an at-bat and moving a guy over. I mean, there was a day where that was the case because what is the name of the town in the Dominican that's the, the breeding ground of great shortstop? San Pedro de Macariz. Uh, but things are different now. Mm-hmm. You, you get off the island by homer, hitting home runs, driving in runs, and that's exactly what Big Poppy was talking about. I could listen to him talk for hours. No, oh, I could too. He's absolutely phenomenal. And you're you're right. That's just how you know baseball has turned. You know, you gotta you gotta create your game to create good analytics. You gotta create your game to ha- have a good launch angle and all these other new age baseball terms that we've. Uh, I guess I, I'm definitely not going to say come to love, but at least come to know and appreciate a little bit 
over the last you know 10 15 years uh of this major change in the way that baseball has kind of played on a fundamental level but big poppy is just he, he's always just so entertaining you know isn't he isn't he he's yeah. just you see i really i've never met him and i don't really know anybody that uh has actually had a personal um conversation with sure you do, David you Ortiz. Know, you know Bubba. You know Bubba Carpenter. Okay, well we've then, had Bubba on the show. Bubba, then I guess I do. If I remember how he put this, because they were teammates on in in the Dominican Winter League for an entire season there once, and I don't remember if Bubba batted behind Poppy or if it was the other way around. It'd be funny if Poppy was the one providing the line of protection for Bubba. <laughs> but he said he always he always called him Booba, and he only did that because he was messing around with him because mm-hmm. I think he knew exactly how to say. Bubba's name. But when you think about it, like <clears throat> Poppy and Bubba are kind of the same nickname, just different languages, different parts of yeah. the world. Yeah, it really is. Now, now, did Bubba always have great things to say about David Ortiz? Nice guy. Oh, great absolutely. Dude. He loved him. He okay, absolutely good. loved him. And think good. About, that makes me feel good. Think about where that's coming from. This is somebody who is a born Yankees fan who played for the Yankees mm-hmm. for most of his minor league career and hates the Red Sox with white-hot passion. He loved Poppy. And speaking of Boston and the Red Sox and just the city of Boston, such a great sports town, L- listen to Poppy's answer on the city of Boston, his relationship with those, with those people. It's been almost 20 years since my first day in Boston. We have some incredible memories. When I think about Boston, I definitely think about 2004, 2007, and of course 2013. After the city was shaken by a marathon bombing, I had never seen a community bounce back and reunite like Boston. When I think about Boston, I also think about the last game I played, standing on that field at Fenway Park. It feel like the whole city of New England and each one and every one of you was surrounding me and was showing me all you love. I will always be Boston and I will always be there for you, Boston. I love you, Boston. It's amazing. To, I mean, think of some of the players who have had singular relationships with a city. And Poppy had played for Minnesota before that, but then became mm-hmm. really one of the most beloved sports figures in that region's history. Uh, he's up there with Bobby Orr. He's up there with Tom Brady. Brady's got to be at the top of the list. He's up there with Larry Bird. He, he's uh, Ted Williams never won a World ask. Series. Past Ted Williams is most beloved now, Ted Red Williams. Sox? Ted Williams is maybe my favorite baseball player of all time. I love Ted Williams. One of the, that he ever if not the for. best hitter of all time. Never won a Contact World Series. Hitter, Only advanced to one World Series. Different times, and I don't mean this to say anything nasty about Ted Williams. Never won a World Championship. Mm-hmm. And that was part of his legacy. And Wasn't a good manager either. Yeah, his pitchers hated him. <laughs> and vice versa, yeah. by the way, too. I, I, I would have, I mean, man, you're, you're parsing things here. But you could you could certainly make a case for, for David Ortiz as being the, the greatest Red Sox player of all time, even as just a designated hitter who never played in the field, uh, or, or, or or definitely one of the top two uh, greatest Red Sox of all time with the legacy he leaves behind. And, and as far as Boston's concerned, it's tough to pick other athletes that had more of an impact than he did in that area mm-hmm. and were more beloved and even more entertaining, too, just listening to him talk. Yeah, and he's right. I mean, the way that the city really did rally behind uh, and, and did come together after the Boston Marathon bombing. And, and, you know, the Red Sox were a part of that story. I mean, from uh, opening day, I believe less than 
not not too long after the bombing, wasn't it? I mean, the bombing was at the Boston Marathon, and the yeah, opening that, day was that, like that means there's a game being played at Fenway yeah, at that very moment. That's very you know, that's moment. That's Patriots Day, exactly. That's why I was trying to figure out because I remember there's the big ceremony and everything. Um, maybe not ceremony is the right way to put it, but you know, moments of silence and uh, display of community. That was around that Red Sox well, and Fenway Park very, in the coming was, months, and it was a good season for Boston. You remember there was specifically a very well-placed F-bomb that Poppy dropped mm-hmm. in that moment where he spoke to the entire crowd at Fenway Park. That one word, I think, probably elevated him to to, to higher than he even was before. It's amazing what oh, that definitely. word can do sometimes, but it can really impact the way people are feeling. We won't use it, though, here on Halftime. <laughs> Halftime is brought to you by our friends at Pradco Fishing Lures and Booyah Bait Company, made in Fort Smith, and they make the Booyah Pop and Pad Crasher. It's the go-to lure for Jason Christie, the 2022 Bassmaster Classic Champion. The Booyah Pop and Pad Crasher Junior is a smaller version of the Pop and Pad Crasher. Use it all summer on the river. Frog fishing is a favorite thing to do in summer fishing, and the Pop and Pad Crasher Junior is the right size. Has the right hook set up to catch him. You'll find it at Learnet.com and tackle stores everywhere. The Booyah Pop and Pad Crasher Jr. After the break, more baseball with Rob Fisher, uh, who is the sideline reporter, pre- and post-game host for the Memphis Grizzlies on Valley Sports, but also hosts a couple of uh, podcasts that focus in on Major League Baseball. And that's next. It's halftime. Stop by Eastside Liquor in Fort Smith, located at 9390 Rogers Avenue. They have a huge selection of beers, wines, and liquors, and competitive pricing on all the top brands. Dave and the crew at Eastside Liquor always provide friendly service and assistance, like carrying your purchases to your vehicle and the convenient drive through service. Give them a call at 479-452-7311. Now, back to the podcast. Rob Fisher joining us here on Halftime. Rob from Grind City Media, also the Memphis Grizzlies pre- and post-game host, also on the sidelines on uh, Bally Sports, hosts a couple of baseball podcasts, also covers lots of college. Basically, you do everything, Rob. I mean, if you're in the middle of the country, if you're in, if you're in, if you're in Tennessee, you've got a lot to pay attention to, and it sounds like That's you right. pay attention to all of it. I do, but although right now the only thing I'm paying attention to is this beautiful view that I have of the Gulf of Mexico down here. I'm sitting on the beach. That's how much I love Drew Barrett, you guys. <laughs> oh, I appreciate I'm it, sitting Rob. on the beach in the middle of my voca- vacation, watching the waves, beautiful day, but here I am talking with you guys. So, uh, yeah, great to be with you guys. I heard the, sh- the quality of your show dropped immensely once Drew stopped producing it. And once he joined our show here, man, <laughs> and we have done nothing but win award after award after award. Yeah, so that, right. I mean, you, you know Drew very well. You know what it's, work, what it's like to work with this kid. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how our, uh, how our show was so good with Drew. It was amazing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, then just went straight downhill after he left. But, uh, yeah, enjoy hearing Drew. It was great to see him at SEC Media Days and uh, talk a little college football. It's college football season now. Talking season's underway, and we're right around the corner from camp, and then uh, games will be here before you know it. Yeah, really is, really is. And you got plenty to talk about if you're in Tennessee as far as Tennessee football's concerned. We had uh, Connor yeah. O'Gara on earlier. He thinks Tennessee might have, as he used the term, shot the moon uh, by potentially not facing major uh, major penalties, which maybe a few years ago that things might have been a little bit different. Do you have a sense that Tennessee, by the actions, by getting rid of you know, almost the you know the administration and and the coaching staff and self-reporting as much as they did, that they actually might have dodged some of these penalties? 
I think that's the hope. Um, you know, it, and, and heck, we're going through it at Memphis with the basketball program. Mm-hmm. You know how long these things take. And, you know, with the Memphis basketball program, they kind of defied the NCAA. So I think everyone's expecting them to get harsh penalties. But for Tennessee, like you mentioned, I mean, they got rid of the coach, they got rid of the staff. Then all these things came out. Now more is coming out. So I, I think their hope would be since they got rid of the coach and they did so in such a quick manner that, you know, maybe the NCAA won't be as harsh on Tennessee as, as you know, potentially they could be. So I think that's the hope with UT. And, and I, I think they might be right. You know, as I said, for how long these things drag on and drag out, Hopefully it's nothing that's going to hurt Tennessee here in the near future because, you know, they went through a three-coach period that you'd be hard-pressed to find a three-coach, you know, if three coaches hired in a row that turned out worse than what's happened with Tennessee. The Butch Jones thing was a disaster. Derek Dooley was an even bigger disaster. And, and now Jeremy Pruitt, an even bigger disaster if possible. So, it was just a horrible run, and now things are looking better with Josh Heupel, and the offense is looking like it's fun. A lot of people are making Tennessee that chic second pick in the East this year. I don't think anybody's making the crazy pick other than Georgia and Alabama this season, but, you know, it's a race for second. I think a lot of people like Tennessee as second in the East, and that'd be a, a huge leap for them. It'd be a nice, uh, you know, change of direction going in the right way for once in a long time mm-hmm. for Tennessee, so... This news is kind of depressing, but hopefully it'll go away, and and hopefully the NCAA won't be as harsh because Tennessee did take care and did take some action. Hopefully, you know, everything that you just laid out will be true, but we've also seen, you know, the NCAA be so weird about these things where it doesn't matter if you cooperate or you go against them that they're going to lay down the law uh, either way. Rob, before we move on to baseball, I do have to know, and I do just want to make sure to clear your name on this. You weren't uh-huh. the person that voted Vandy as the SEC champion at yeah. media days, were you? Oh, gosh, no. Okay, good. But, 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 Clark Lee did say it's just a matter of time <laughs> before Vanderbilt is the best program in America. So, now they have lost 21 straight SEC games. So, I think it's going to take a while for that to happen. <laughs> I don't think they're going to win an SEC game this year. I, I don't. I just don't see that. Man, they got the best deal going in all of college athletics. Just sitting there in the SEC, making all this money. I saw a stat today that from two twenty five to twenty twenty five to twenty thirty five, they're going to make a billion dollars. Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt, their football program. That's incredible. That uh, they they have one of the best spots in all of college football, and and securing that spot. You know, college football goes to a couple of mega conferences. Just to think that Vanderbilt's a part of it is is kind of amazing. It truly is amazing to think that Vanderbilt and Rutgers is going to win and and still play major college football from here to the end of time because they always just they seem to luck out. Now, going from the best spot in college in college athletics from Vandy to something that you're a part of, the quote unquote best fans in baseball. How do you see the Cardinals? Uh, you know making a run in the second half because it's not out of reach. I mean, they're only two and a half games behind the Brewers, but we've all known through most of the season that it was going to be, how do you catch the Brewers? Yeah, it's been a little frustrating as a Cardinal fan because it just feels like the Cardinal success is based on the Brewers' failures right now. 
you know, the Cardinals, it seems, have had an opportunity to take the Central Division, and they just haven't. Uh, why is that? Well, they have a lack of pitching, and despite the fact they have arguably the two best players of their individual position in Goldschmidt and Arenado, they still need more bats in the lineup. I'm excited about the Soto news. I think it would be great to add that bat to the lineup, especially for the future of this franchise. But you still have a hole at pitching. I mean, it, it, it's pretty dreadful with the Cardinals lineup. When you get past the top four in the order, you just feel like they're automatic outs. So to add another bat would be great. But Adam Wainwright hasn't won since June 27th. He hasn't won in his last four starts. He's 0-3 in those four starts. He gave up seven runs in his last start, which is just as many runs as he gave up the entire month of May. Dakota Hudson's been throwing batting practice. Uh, Miles Michaelis got lit by the Cincinnati Reds yesterday. Um, Steven Matz comes back on Saturday and then has a tear in his MCL. He's back on the injured list. So the pitching's a nightmare, too. I don't think Soto's bat necessarily puts the Cardinals in the playoffs. I think a pitcher would be more important by the trade deadline next week. We'll see if the Cardinals are in the mix on any of that. My expectation as a Cardinal fan is that maybe a minor move here, maybe a bull, some bullpen help. I don't expect a major move despite the fact that we keep hearing all these reports about them being willing to offer Juan Soto $500 million. You do that, I think the Cardinals are tapped out, and I still don't think that's good enough to win. But that also goes on top of, if you're trading for Juan Soto, what does Washington expect? Like, Are you, are you mortgaging yeah. the future of the franchise by going after Soto, and you don't even know if you can sign him again? I don't think the Cardinals have the base of a team right now to really make a run, and it's because of the injuries more than anything pitching. Like, I mean, you, yeah. don't, have the, you don't have the bats no, no. in the lineup behind Arenado and Goldschmidt. Too many injuries on the mound right now. No doubt about it. And that's why the Soto thing is, it's fun. I mean, heck, anytime your team's involved in getting one of the best players in the game, yeah, that, that's exciting. That's a lot of fun. I just don't think it's the answer uh, for that team because of what you just mentioned. There are bigger question marks, bigger holes in that pitching staff. And when you look at a best of three series, best of five series, best of seven series, you better have the staff. And I don't think the Cardinals have that right now. So that that's where I would be more intrigued for them making moves. But, you know, hey, if you want to get one Soto, let's go for it. That'd be a lot of fun. But I just don't think that's the answer for the Cardinals right now. Hey, Brewers haven't played great baseball. So Cardinals will stick around till the end. You know, you, you shore up the pitching just a little bit. Maybe get – Matt doesn't look like he's going to come back now. Uh, but, you know, if you're going to trade Liberator, I mean, who's who's your next guy uh, that's going to come up and fill that gap? So I, I think there are a lot more questions going in this trade deadline than the Cardinals even want to admit. It's the worst division in baseball right now. But just <laughs> think about think about what what you're trading by, by trading Juan Soto and really just the destruction and demolition of that Nationals championship from just – Three years ago. I mean, you had Scherzer leave, Rendon left, Soto's going to leave, Harper's gone. Strasburg's been injured the whole time. Mm -hmm. Right, right. It's tough to keep these these winning teams together. I think Soto sees that. He does not want to be the thing that a team is built around. He wants to go somewhere that's sort of already built and get paid to do it. He's. I think it's New York. I think it's the Mets or it's the Dodgers. Yeah, and it's interesting. It's crazy just talking about those three teams. But, I mean, the Dodgers, they just keep adding and keep adding. Um, you know, the Mets and the Yankees, you always expect them possibly to make some sort of move like this. 
you know, if, if the Yankees were to make a move like this and sign Soto to the $500 million, well, my goodness, what are they going to do with Aaron Judge? Uh, I, I mean, this is the guy who's the best player in baseball. Mm-hmm. How, how much are you going to sign him for? It would have to be more than that. So I, I think it'd be very interesting to see the Yankees go that route. And does that mean the end of Eric, Aaron Judge? And he might be, even be more valuable than Juan Soto on the, on the market. So, yeah, you're going to have to give up a lot. I guess the other team that was mentioned was San Francisco mm-hmm. um, making that sort of deal. But, you know, San Francisco at this point, I, I don't know if you're poised to make a run for this year. Maybe that'd be something more so in your future. But if that's the case, why not wait till the end of the season when he's a free agent, see if you can make a move at that point and woo him at that point. So, yeah, I, I don't think there are a lot of teams capable of making this trade. Um, and the ones that are capable are those usual suspects that you mentioned. So that's that's why it's hard for me to believe that the Cardinals are a team that's, that's in the mix, or the Padres, for that matter, uh, being in the mix. And I know early on, Cardinals and Padres were the two favorites to, to land him. So um, that would surprise me. It's It'll be really interesting hearing this next week. Um, I think he'll be moved. I just don't know where at this point. Mm-hmm. Now, Rob, as we are in the second half of the season, you know, um, half of the divisions are pretty much all locked up with double-digit leads. And then the other half are pretty interesting. I think, you know, the Twins have a three-game lead on the Guardians, uh, one-and-a-half games back with the Braves. Then, like we talked about with the Cardinals and the Brewers just right there. Uh, out of those three that we actually could see some movement and see some changing of uh, a possible division winner, uh, out of those three division, which ones uh, do you think is going to be the most exciting to watch down the stretch? Well, I think the, the National League East, just because the Mets and the Braves are good. Um, you, you look at the American League Central, and, yeah, Twins got that lead. They're holding on to it. Guardians just, they're the youngest team in baseball. Heck, they're the youngest team in AAA baseball, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And Francona's done a great job with that team. So I imagine they'll hang around, but I don't know if they got enough to get over the top. The White Sox have been right at 500 all season. They just can't get over that hump. They've been marred with injuries all year. You know, the Tony LaRusa thing with the fans has been kind of a, a little bit of a distraction as well. So I, I just don't – the sample size is too big for me to think the White Sox are suddenly going to go on a tear. The National League Central, like I said before, it's a two-team race, Cardinals and Brewers, and it just feels like that one's a war of attrition, the one that can just outlast the other at the end. They'll be the one. The Braves and the Mets, that's the one that's exciting – because I think they're two really good teams. And, and the Braves, you know, it's not like the Mets have lost this big lead they had in the division. The Braves have come to take that lead in this division. And to see themselves just a game and a half back, they got a big five-game series coming up next week, which could go a long way. Mets got DeGrom coming back here in the next week. So I think that's going to be a heck of a race for the rest of the way. And which of those teams will either one of them be active at the deadline? Braves were really active subtly last year. And it helped them win the World Series. You know, how active are they going to be at this trade deadline? How active are the Mets going to be? Will they try to go out and get themselves a catcher, uh, like a Wilson Contreras, uh, possibly, at the trade deadline, which could be a huge move for them. So I I think the Braves and Mets, that's going to be the one that's going to have the most intrigue because I think they're both playoff teams, but certainly you want that division. I think they'll fight it out through the end. Mm -hmm. Real quick, Rob, uh, you brought up all the turmoil and distraction that it has been Tony La Russa. Uh, with the White Sox on the south side, is his day's numbered. Is this going to be the last season for, for him as the manager? 
Well, I, I know when they hired him, you know, the biggest regret that they had, that ownership had, that ownership group had was firing Tony LaRusso like 30 years yeah. ago. So, but this is 30 years later. I, um, I imagine, you know, this is an ownership hire. So it would be, have to be an ownership fire. I think it's very difficult to do. If, if the White Sox somehow can pull off this division, I think he'd be fine. If they don't, I think there'd be too much pressure that they'd have to make a move. And, and when you have the pressure from the fans who are chanting to fire Tony, and when you have moves that Tony has made this year that really are inexplicable, uh, I, I think it's difficult to, you know, have his backing at, at this point. I mean, the guy, he's old. He's really old. And I'm not saying the game's passed him by, but he, he still manages like he used to manage mm-hmm. with the A's and the Cardinals that, you know, he's, he's the smartest guy out there and, and doesn't have to give you an explanation. But sometimes he does things that are just just head-scratching. And, and I think it gets to a point where if this young team underperforms, and again, a lot of it's had to do with injuries, but by the end of the season, if they underperform, I think we'll see a managerial change. Well, they called for the only uh, intentional walk I've ever seen on a one-two count, and I don't think I'll ever see that again. <laughs> Rob, appreciate and you, man. And the thing was, if he had a good explanation for it, fine, but he gave some BS explanation, and you're like, dude, just tell us why you did it instead of making things up. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's, and I love Tony LaRusso. He's one of my favorite guys that I've ever covered in sports, but sometimes he, he's tough to figure out. 35 years ago, his way of thinking was totally different than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Now, he's, he, he, you know, things have, things change in 35 years. That's Rob, right. we got to run. That's appreciate you, man. Thanks for hopping on with us. Guys, anytime. Great talking with you. I appreciate it, Rob. That's Rob Fisher. Uh, it was fun talking with him. The, at The Fish Nation, if you want to follow him on Twitter, put a Grind City Media, focusing on uh, baseball and college football, and also the pre- and post-game show host and sideline guy for the uh, Memphis Grizzlies on Valley Sports. All right, we'll wrap things up right after this break. It's halftime. This is for the men who never settle, the ones who miss the fairway all day and still pull out the big stick, the type of guys who will always prefer to be behind the grill than in front of the camera, and the men who never let their friends forget about a high school nickname. This is the Lodge mentality. This is Twin Peaks. Who wants to settle for a single TV? With more TVs, bigger screens, plus our fabulous scenic views, there's more to watch at Twin Peaks. Let's see here. Put the San Jose State Spartans on the Arkansas men's basketball schedule Saturday, December 3rd. This recording to Scotty Bordelon and Whole Hog Sports. Be it put Walton Arena in Fayetteville. San Jose State was 8-23 last year. 1-17 in Mountain West Conference games. So mark it as just another outstanding non-conference game for Arkansas basketball, including North Dakota State. Three with the Maui Invitational, Mm -hmm. Oklahoma UNC, Asheville, and Baylor. And there's a new sponsor for the Fiesta Bowl. That there is, according to Brent McMurphy about 30 minutes ago. Verbo is the new naming rights sponsor for the Fiesta Bowl. They are the fourth different naming rights sponsor for the Fiesta Bowl since Tostitos deal ended in 2014. The Fiesta Bowl will be a host of the semifinals this New Year's Eve. Very good. So you know, don't know. You're not allowed to get an Airbnb if you attend that game. It's got to be a verbal. I guess you have to. It's the only way it works. No hotels. No staying on friends' couches. Where, where do the teams stay? Do we have to separate teams from from different properties throughout um, Phoenix? There. 
That's a really good point. I mean, you're going to have to just drive. You know how at the the Masters, all the golfers stay at other people's houses, Mm -hmm. like people that live in Augusta. I don't think they verbo them out or anything like that, but that'd be really cool. Like, you know, you get the wide receiver staying at one house. You get the defensive line staying at another house. Because we can't have them staying at a Hilton if verbo is the the sponsor. Absolutely right. Come on, man. I mean, these sponsorships go with conditions. Mm -hmm. Don't they? They should. I guess, but I mean, it's always going to be Tostitos to me. I mean, it's just, it's the classic Fiesta Bowl logo with the Tostitos and the chips, and it's just, that's just the way I'm always going to know it by. Just like, you know, we talked about Heinz Field. People are always going to call it Heinz Field. It doesn't matter how much you pay for it. I'm just going to call it the It's always going to be, it's going to be the, but to me, it's going to be the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Because it's just, it's the way things should be. The, the two, something the called Fiesta should be sponsored by something with chips and salsa. And salsa. It and just goes cheese. together. Yes. Though it's the cheese, I think, is Fritos. Uh, all right, we've made it to the end of another award-winning edition of Halftime. And we're back with you tomorrow for what should be an outstanding Tuesday. Stay as cool as you can out there if you got a cucumber. For Maddie and Drew, I'm Phil. Get up, get out, and get better. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.